Welcome to the Rosenbox, where dancers go for show prep and candid chat. I'm Claire Kretschmar. And I'm Aron Sands, and we are dancers with New York City Ballet. We can jump right in. Yeah. Welcome Daniel Wong to the Rosenbox podcast. We are so happy to have you here, and you are the shoe supervisor of New York City Ballet. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. We're so excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you tell our listeners um, where are you from, and how did you get to this job at New York City Ballet? I'm from San Francisco originally. I lived a little bit all over the world um, because of my parents. And I got to New York City Ballet through the former shoe manager, Lynette. We both danced together at PNB. And uh, when she decided she wanted to leave, you know, and start her own business, she thought of me right away uh, <laughs> because I have background in point shoes. I worked a little bit at the block store Mm -hmm. and I learned how to fit point shoes. So it was a natural fit. And um, I also have, you know, from my previous life, um, have a lot of administrative experience and, you know, I've uh, done all sorts of things that I'm able to bring to the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very yeah. niche position. That sounds, yeah, that sounds like the perfect mix. Because mm-hmm. I think it's very important, mm-hmm. or at least I think it's very important to have someone who understands dance and it, probably they have dance themselves in order to understand fully the nature of the job and what entails and, you know, what to do, but also someone that knows what to do mm-hmm. with numbers and, and understands how the administrative side of it works. Right. Mm -hmm. When I got to the job, it was really funny because I realized that everything that I've done professionally in my life, whether it was in a ballet company or in the fashion world, all the skills that I gained in my previous life are the skills that I need for this job. So it's like it was really good, a really nice chance to kind of put everything together now and do something nice for all of you guys. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were going to say, those skills were nothing that I'm oh. using today. It's completely different. <laughs> and that uh, would be a story. That yeah. would be a different story. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit about your dance background in particular? Mm-hmm. And then could you also share some about your experience in the fashion world as well? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... My parents said that I always, always wanted to dance. They said from the time I could talk, I said, I want to dance, I want to dance, I want to dance. And we were living in San Francisco at the time, and they tried to take me to the San Francisco Ballet School. I was like maybe four and a half. And they said, no, we can't take you. We have to wait until you're five years old. So I I waited until I was five years old. And, you know, it was just, you know, the first ballet class. You skip around your tree or, you know, whatever whatever Mm -hmm. the kids do. And... um, Right after that, we moved to Tahiti in the South Pacific. My dad's from there, so that was a completely different life. I still knew I wanted to be a dancer, but there really wasn't anything there. There was a little school, and they took classes maybe twice a week, you know. It was more like a tropical sort of lifestyle. We owned horses, you know, and I all did all sorts of things that, you know, I guess a lot of people dream about, you know, the ocean <laughs> and all that, all that sort of stuff that you would think that you do in, you know, in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. And then when I was around 15 years old, the teacher said, you know, if he really wants to do this, he has to go. He can't stay here to do this. So my parents sent me to Europe. I went to the south of France. 
to Rosella Hightower School, and I got there, and I realized I didn't know anything at all. So I had to sort of um, learn to be a dancer, and I think I, within a couple years, I, you know, I was able to take an advanced class. But it was really, you know, being really focused, actually not really thinking. You know, at that age, you mm-hmm. don't really think about what you're doing. What you just go, you're go, just go, doing go, it. go, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, at one point, I was, you know, I was able to take an advanced class with the professionals and all that. So when I moved back to the States, I went back to the San Francisco Valley School, finished all my, you know, my training there, and I went up to PNB after that. And I spent nine years at PNB. Yeah, Pacific um, Northwest Valley. Nice. Pacific Northwest Valley, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. Located in Seattle. In Seattle, Washington. <laughs> Just to clarify. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after that, when I left um, PNB, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I ended up doing, I guess, what everybody does. I went and took a, you know, a, a retail job back in San Francisco. And one thing led to the other, and I got a job offer from a Calvin Klein here in New York. And it was one of those things, uh, sort of like my, you know, how I started ballet. I came here, I didn't know a thing, (laughs) (laughs) anything. And I had to teach myself or observe and, you know, look at what people were doing to figure out my way in this brand new world. I think about it now, it was sort of my dance experience was really probably helped a lot in that, you know, because a dancer watches and looks and, mm-hmm. you know, and feels and figures out how to be, mm-hmm. and, you know, especially when you're learning a ballet. So mm-hmm. it was very much the same type of process. And um, what I did there was uh, visual merchandising. I guess the easiest way to describe it is everything you see in a store has been touched by your visual merchandisers. So it's mm-hmm. how the product is displayed, how the clothing is hanging, what you know, hangs next to the other thing. How are the bags, you know, displayed? How are the mannequins dressed? So that was my life for a long time and before I, I came here. And it was really a wonderful life because, in a sense, there was some creativity to it, not too much creativity. Again, it like dance um, mm-hmm. in that you're working in some very defined, you know, a de- very defined look, but within that, you know, those uh, four walls, you have a little bit of freedom, mm-hmm. you know, to, to sort of put yourself or your own mark into the look of the store. So visual merchandising sort of encompasses a lot of things. You can be in the stores, touching mannequins, touching the product. You can design windows. You can put windows together that have already been designed. You work with architecture. You work with, you know, the the buying office. uh, Or you just sit in an office and you do things like um, distribute images to the stores or create guidelines. And I've done a little bit of all of that. And my last job, I worked from home. It was a corporate job mm-hmm. uh, where I did a lot of distributing to the stores. I managed a budget, and I did all the guidelines that were sent out to the stores to tell them how to put it together. Those are the skills that I'm actually finding that I'm, I'm using a lot here. You know, I learned yeah. a lot of... Mm-hmm. You know, Microsoft Excel, who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something that I am not well versed in. Um, yeah, and it's just and it's just you. I mean, I, you work with Mark Happel, who's the head of the costume shop, 
Well, he's your boss. Correct? He's my boss. Yeah. yeah. But it's just you running the shoe room. I run the shoe room all by myself. So, yeah, you have to do the budget and deal with the dancers and ordering ordering the shoes from mainly Freed of London, but Freed also London. other mm-hmm. companies, I mm-hmm. think, sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what is that like? Like, what is your schedule like here at New York City Ballet? Also, mind you, you joined... A year ago? Oh, yeah. Or no. has it been even a year? Not even. So it's now October, so it's been 10 months. I joined yeah. like... And he's like fully... You are um, such a professional yeah, here. Yeah, fully like, invested, um, fully driving forward. Yes, mm. there was um actually <laughs> some note. We'll get back to the schedule, but in Daniel's early season, uh-huh. I was going through some pointry troubles, and then there was a period of time where I was like... I don't know, Daniel. I'm not sure if I trust your judgment yet. Because you were new. That's he was fair. New. That's fair. He was That's new. Fair. And yes. so I was like, I don't know. Um, and Claire's an Aries, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, but then there was a period, there was like a moment where you were like, you can trust me. I know what I'm doing. Like, and so anyway, but it was. I said that? Yeah, yeah, you were. Like, <laughs> well, you, really, you said something you sold similar. It. You sold it. You said something similar to that. And I was like, okay, okay. But anyway, I started to trust you early on because I realized you had so much experience mm-hmm. and you were really helping me with issues and like going above and beyond. But anyway, the schedule, what does the schedule look like here at New York City Ballet for you? So um, I have somewhat of a set schedule, which is nice. And my colleagues in wardrobe, you know, they work a little bit more the same schedule as like you guys, you know, the performance schedule and all that. So I have a really set schedule. Um, I guess what I do is I do a lot of office work, administrative work, I find, because relations with the vendors can mm-hmm. take a lot of time. They're not always very easy. But it takes a lot of time to order things to, you know, when dancers come and they say, well, I want to change this, so I want to change this about my, or that about my shoe. You know, communicating all of that to Freed takes a lot of time, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, you're paying your bills, uh, you're making sure that, you know, you've Mm -hmm. got a record of what you've paid. I found it was a lot of administrative work, and that's where a lot of my previous experience from my very last job is Mm -hmm. coming in really, really handy because it was somewhat of the same types of things. I would say most of my days are spent that way. And I guess when you guys see me, um, when you walk by, I'm always at my desk at the computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the rest of it would be working with all the dancers, mostly the women, mm-hmm. I think, but sometimes the men as well. And, you know, receiving boxes of, of point shoes. So it would describe the shoe room as a store, exactly like a store. And so I have I've worked in stores for a long time. So I think that's why I've kind of figured out the job really quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? And because, like, you guys come in, you take shoes. You don't pay for them, but you take them. Oh, praise the Lord. We don't pay for our shoes. No, but that that totally makes sense to me because I have to say the shoe room has been running very smoothly. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. From my own experience. Like, mm-hmm. everything that I ever needed was, like, always there. Mm-hmm. And also, like, very listening to any request I ever had. And, mm-hmm. I mean, dancers are famously very impatient. And these are things that usually sometimes take a long time to order, to make sure they have mm-hmm. them with the pandemic, the supply chain shortage. Like, mm-hmm. you know, things are not here the next day. But, like, I have to say... Everything that I ever needed was like there. Yeah. Very, very uh, quick. 
And it's sort of, yeah, I, you know, I, I look at you guys, I mean, you're more than customers, but I kind of think of you guys as customers. So when you, you know, say, Aaron, you come in and you're like, um, I'd like to change my shoe, I want to do this and that. So you know, I take that very seriously and I make sure that you get it as, as quickly mm -hmm. as possible. But the other way, it's like a store is, you know, I order things that sort of, I guess, merchandise. Mm -hmm. The merchandise Inventory. comes in. The merchandise goes out with you. That's what I would describe it as. More than anything else in the, in the theater, except for the concession outside, uh, I'm really a store. Shoe store. A shoe no. store, yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, how many... Oh yeah, I want to know numbers. Hi, yeah. numbers. How many? Oh. <laughs> how many point shoes do you think you order in a year? And I know you haven't been here a full year yet, but like, how many do you think you order in a year? I have a pretty good idea already. So I order on average about four hundred pairs of shoes a month. Mm -hmm. You didn't how realize did they... that? No, did I you? didn't. I really didn't. I really. I mean, I know the girls go through shoes every day, oh, no. but I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, yes. well, yeah. Oof. That is, it's, it's how do they even have time to make all of that? That's a lot. Frida's busy. Frida's very busy. All right, okay. Frida's very busy. <laughs> yes, they're very busy. I believe New York City Ballet is Frida's largest customer mm -hmm. in the entire world. We order more shoes than just about anything, but I think it's because the schedule is so much more arduous mm -hmm. than any other company. I mean... The company dances way mm -hmm. more than just about anybody. So they have a huge budget, I think, relatively speaking, to order all the shoes. And um, I order a lot also is because delivery times can be unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes an order will take three months, ideally. Sometimes it takes eight months. Mm -hmm. So to cover myself to make sure that the ladies have enough shoes, mm -hmm. I do have to order a little bit more than might seem reasonable. Definitely appreciate that because yeah. sometimes like we'll have a season where maybe we don't dance as much or for some reason we don't go through as many shoes and mm -hmm. but then there'll be another season where maybe surprisingly we go through a ton of shoes and yeah. we weren't expecting to and then all of a sudden it is a scary thing uh -huh. in the middle of a season to see like a few shoes in shoes. your box uh -huh. and then to realize oh I still have like 15 more shows of this really intense ballet to do or, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. So from a dancer side, it's better to have more than less. Yes. A, it takes a very gifted shop manager to make sure that all of the dancers are cared for yeah. Yeah. in their different ways. That's one of my challenges is to figure out the right kind of flow so I don't have too many point shoes or not enough point mm -hmm. shoes for, yeah. you know, not, that's something I'm still trying to figure out and it's going to take a little while. And of course there's the point shoes, but then there's also these other, I mean, other shoes. We have like boots, character shoes, mm -hmm. flat shoes. And you must have different vendors for all of those things as well. I do, I do. But I will say the bulk of the vendors that I deal with are, you know, for men's ballet shoes and point shoes. I would okay. say that's mm -hmm. probably 80% of what mm -hmm. I deal with. The other shoes, like for big ballets like Sleeping Beauty or Swan Lake, so it's all these special, beautiful specialty shoes, mm -hmm. 
takes maybe uh, another 20% of, of my time. And uh, that's more fitting you guys into the right kind say, of shoes. Some of know? that is like we already have it. It's about placing it, finding it, uh-huh. and fitting it to the dancer like to see what we heels. already have. Yeah. yeah, right. Like some yeah. of the heels and yeah. Yeah. Boots. yeah, I would say like yeah. all that has already been located. Yeah, from yeah. past shows. Right. Which yeah. makes me wonder if you could explain to the listeners at home what your space looks like. Like, where are you located? How big would you say the room is? And do you have more than one room? Plus, are any of the shoes that we don't use that often storage um, elsewhere? Because I know City Valley has some warehouses, and I don't know if shoes ever go there. Mm-hmm. So I have my office. Um, I Again, I'm going to go back to the store yeah. comparison. It, it is like a store, like a small store with a desk. There are rows, um, rows of point shoes rows of cubbies for mm-hmm. each dancer with their name on it. So each dancer will have, I think, one row of cubbies has a little bit over 100 pairs of shoes. And any extra shoes sort of get hung in a big cluster mm-hmm. next to their row of, of cubbies. So you just want to imagine a room that has tons and tons and tons of columns of cubbies and clusters of shoes that sort of hang, you know, mm-hmm. um, next to those cubbies. I'm going to say that Anybody who comes into the theater that's not part of New York City Ballet and they walk by the theater is always, always impressed. And to them, yeah. it's something magical. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very unique space in the theater where, like, it's, like, as ballet important as a ballet studio to me because mm-hmm. the, yeah. the very fundamental part of ballet itself is a point shoe for the ballerina yeah. yes. and I think seeing that many and and organized and uh-huh. it's very impressive and you don't see that anywhere else yeah I mean I haven't yeah. seen everyone's you know shoe rooms or I don't know what they're like everywhere else but you do feel like here when you walk in it's like a candy shop it's like a point shoe candy uh-huh. shop literally there's just so much you're to like look at. <gasps> yeah um, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. all nicely packaged in their different bags mm-hmm. and um and then also, I know that when you get into the company and, like, you see your last name mm-hmm. by your point shoe area, that's a really cool thing, It's a big too. deal. It's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And also, like, one of the first things we encounter as ladies in the company is getting a custom point shoe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Danielle, can you explain what that process is like? Yeah. yeah. So, I, the process that I just went through with uh, two of the new ballet ladies and they come in and they're very very excited because during their apprenticeship they wear either stock shoes that you can buy just off the shelf or they'll use some of the dancers shoes that you know the dancer has some old shoes that they can't wear for any reason and they do fit one of the apprentices then she'll go ahead and wear those so they come in and they're super super excited and it's this sort of brand new world you know, they have tons of questions because they don't really realize that you can take every single inch of a shoe and customize it to your foot. So they come in and they go, well, I would like this. I would like that. And, you know, I say, well, you have this option. And they, their eyes, their eyes you know, <laughs> open up and they're like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> so and I, I would say a fitting is, I say it's a combination of art and science you know the art part is easy does your foot look good can you make your foot look better and then sort of the science sort of fits in where how do you make your foot look better in the shoe than it already does or 
more technical things. Is your foot supported? Are you able to jump or roll through your foot? There's all these little technical things. Mm -hmm. And that is maybe a little bit more challenging than the, you know, the art part because everybody's foot is different. A lot of times a dancer will know what they're feeling, but they don't quite know how to express it. And you can sort of guess, but it's not, it's not the same as, you know, the dancer coming and finally saying, mm -hmm. this, this, is what I, this is what I need. And so a couple of examples of dancers, they come in and they try to explain it one time. Didn't quite. <laughs> and the second time, and they were trying to say the same thing, but in a different way. And then finally, in the third or fourth time, it was like light bulb. Ah, mm -mm. that's what it is. Now we can fix it. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a it's a journey for the ladies. Some dancers they find their shoe right away. They're settled. They never change shoes, and they're they're very very happy. But then there are other ladies because of their, you know, the way the foot changes. Once I was you have just about to say, what I find very interesting is that feet, just like everything else, kind of changes. Like mm -hmm. injuries, very important, where all of a sudden you have an injury yeah. and then you might need more space or more support. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's just your foot is completely different. And yeah. also when one foot is different from the other. Right. And you need, like, to do magic on, like have to wrap your foot with the point on one versus the other. I just, mm -hmm. I think it's just, yeah, it's very interesting the, the process and the changes that a ballerina goes through their career with, mm -hmm. with point shoes. Right. Having a child changes your foot. Mm -hmm. um, I understand during COVID, uh, most people's feet changed. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, most people had ch children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had children. But uh, those who didn't have children, their feet also yes. changed. There was a mm -hmm. lot, there was a lot of that. I think even though, you know, through the years, you know, if you've been in the company 12 years, over those 12 years, your foot is going to change yeah. here and there. Um, yeah. And, you know, Aaron, you, you mentioned injuries. That's a really, really big, a big thing, you know, working with a dancer who has an injury and especially if the injury is caused by the shoe mm -hmm. because it doesn't fit correctly or her foot changed and she didn't quite realize that she did need to change shoes mm -hmm. out of habit or, mm -hmm. you know, um, those things are really difficult. They're rewarding as well. I really do like to do fittings and to work with the dancers. That's really the fun part of my job. Yeah, That's it can be pretty idea. fulfilling to yeah. see a dancer be happy on their own feet. Yeah, I yeah. think I made a couple of people happy. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I specifically remember the day when you and I were both really excited because I got like uh -huh. these trial shoes in because uh -huh. when I was having trouble, it was a, a saga. I was one of those mm -hmm. people that would go to Daniel and talk to him. Mm, a lot. A lot. I loved it. I love having you in the room. Shoe because I was going through some kind of shoe uh -huh. crisis uh -huh. um, where it was one of those things where the shoe looked good. But mm -hmm. it was not working. Right. And I was having the hardest time, like, getting up and, mm -hmm. and feeling strong, like I could stay there. I think I definitely fell into the camp of the people that my foot got wider mm -hmm. and maybe perhaps in a new way stronger during COVID. But it certainly got bigger and I started to use it differently, mm -hmm. I think, in a better way. But at the same time, like, my shoe wasn't working for mm -hmm. my foot. So I just had to be in constant dialogue with you to figure out. I, we were really trying to figure out the technical like, why wasn't right. it working? But then I remember a day when we were so excited because we got these trials in, and then I came back to you, and I was like, Daniel, 
I think this is the shoe. I was wow. like, I think this is going to work. And like, I feel really excited about mm-hmm. this. And then it did. Like these shoes that I got this particular maker and the way that it fit, it worked like really well for my last season at New York yeah. City Ballet. So uh, yeah, you definitely mm-hmm. made me happy. So you oh, can at least you. take that like with you. Almost mm-hmm. more important than engagement ring. The fitting has to be right. The fitting mm-hmm. has to be, yeah. Because you have to yeah. do things in it. You have to. Yeah. You can't just a lot. Yeah, you, you can't just look pretty in in the shoe. You have to do a lot. And mm-hmm. stand in them for a long time oh, through the yeah. day. Like mm-hmm. I guess there has to be. You mean like a certain level of comfort or something? Yeah, like yeah. or mm-hmm. just like it, that you're able. You're able to get through your day and like yeah. not just through the dancing, but like you gotta wear them. You gotta yes. make sure that they work in many different aspects and many different layers. Yeah. Which makes me think of makers. Makers is like makers. a whole new layer. Oh, yeah. If mm-hmm. you could, uh, either one of you, please explain what a maker is. So Freed of London, mm-hmm. who, who is the, the main shoe for New York City Ballet, 100% of the ladies wear uh, right now. And there's a long tradition of the company wearing Freed, I think probably since um, Mr. Balanchine. Mm-hmm. So Freed works in a very particular way in that a very specific maker makes a shoe. There's several makers, and they all have a slightly different style of shoe, which, you know, fits a certain kind of foot. So the process here, so what, what I'm going through with the new core ladies, is we order what is called a trial. And she will come in and she'll say, well, I like this maker from wearing old the stock shoes. So we'll start with that maker. And then depending on what her foot looks like, I'll recommend some others. We'll order maybe two, three makers. Every maker, you know, shoes are handmade. Mm-hmm. No matter where they're made, they're ha- made by hand. Mm-hmm. So, but Freed has a very, very specific style of shoe making. And mm-hmm. within that style, each maker has the little variations mm-hmm. between, between each maker. What are the three biggest components of a point shoe that can just changing those make the point shoe change a lot? Like, I know there any of them. Mm-hmm. Any of them can do, but there but any. Okay, what are the big so ones? I would say the very most important part is what's called the box, mm-hmm. and so that's the part that's right at the front of the toes that the dancer is going to stand on top of. It's reinforced. It's basically glue, paper, and yeah. some satin. It's very, mm-hmm. very, very light. So getting the shape of the box to match the dancer's foot is, I would say, the number one. Uh, most important thing in fitting a shoe, more than probably anything else. Mm-hmm. Number two would probably be the shank, which is the sole of the shoe. It comes in different strengths, and, you know, it can be cut in half or it can be full. There's all sorts of options to what a shank can do, and I would say that's number two. After that, it's just all refinements, you know. Yeah. Like I said earlier, you can customize a freed in a million ways, different combinations, different parts of the Mm -hmm. shoe, and that's uh, particular to free. No other company has as many customers. I actually, I have a book with four pages worth of customizations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. I've looked at it with you. (laughs) There's like, yeah, all of these different, the the lingo that tells Uh um, you and the dancer, like, how to make a change. Like, Mm -hmm. what is it? Um, Yeah. 
um, like where EPOT the dictionary extra paste on tip or something like that. Is that what EPOT is? EPOT is something, is something different. Else? It sounds we like we thought a, it was extra paste. We on thought tip. we thought it was extra paste on tip, and like on the but it actually has something to do with the canvas that gets put on the box of the shoe. Mm. Extra taste in the tips is extra paste in the tips. Got it. You have to actually write <laughs> that one out. There's no acronym for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. What would you say to a dancer who's having trouble getting on her box? Like what's like what's the go-to assessment of someone who can't get on the box? Girls, stretch your feet. <laughs> no, no, you can never say that because one can always find something, you yes. know, the right combination of dimensions in the shoe. And that's kind of a hard question because, it, you know, there are many, many reasons why somebody couldn't get on top, uh, on top of the box. It could be that the shank is too strong. It could be that the vamp is too long, and so it's pushing you back. Mm-hmm. In the case of Freed, it could be just that maker's not mm-hmm. right for you. As you know, Claire, the sort of the pitch of the tip of the shoe is very different from maker to maker. Yep. Some are more forward, some are a little bit more back, some are more rounded, some are very square. So there's a lot of different little factors that go into that box. Yes, there's not always one easy solution to fixing it. It really mm-hmm. requires that dialogue with the person helping you mm-hmm. get the shoe, the fitter or the as like you are, the shoe room supervisor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's a process. It's a huge process. It's a big journey for some of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> also, from a point of view outsider, um, I witnessed a lot of customization after the shoe was even done. So, like, the girls will put it on, and he will come the snapping, the breaking, the banging, the cutting. Yes. The yes, spraying. True. People spraying alcohol to the point of shoes, the water. I mean, it's... it's glue. Yeah. It, glue, yeah. yeah. The, 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 You're right. There's what extra. Call, what is the glue called? The jet glue. J- the jet glue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a million things that could be done even afterwards. Like, people don't just grab the point shoe, put it on their feet, and get on the stage. Like, no. there's Correct. a lot of things to do to the point shoe yeah, afterwards. That's right. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. The banging, the wall. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to have loud shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's hence the banging. You kind of get some of the sound out when you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big thing in like City Ballet from what I know compared to other companies is that because we do rep that incorporates a lot of jumping mm-hmm. and a lot of fast movement, the shoe can be too loud. Yeah, yeah, there is something about when you have a loud shoe, it detracts both as an audience member and a dancer. Mm-hmm. Like when you're uh-huh. a dancer and you all you can do is like hear your shoe when you're moving quickly. You're distracting. It's, yeah, it can be distracting. Even uh-huh. as an audience member, if you hear the loud banging all the time, it's distracting as well. So... Yeah, d- definitely at New York City Valley, there's a campaign for quiet shoes yes. because and yeah. tradition for, for, to have yeah. a quiet shoe yeah, because it's it's, it aids the beauty of the production. Yeah, I um, mean this this company is the most silent in terms of shoes than any other company I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and the freed freed shoes, freed of London shoes, do enable that quietness because they're right. Mm-hmm. There's something in about the way they're made. They're right. yeah. they're quieter shoes naturally. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, right. Also, I think I want to mention Tim. Yes, yes, Please. yes. Yeah. Tim Foster, who is in charge of spraying and coloring the shoes. For yes. We do a lot of um, specific values that require a point shoe in a certain color. That is yeah. not the classic um, mm-hmm. uh, color that comes from the manufacturer. Tim is in charge of spraying it. He has it 
um, his own room on the sixth floor of the theater uh-huh. with uh, f- big fans and always like ventilation going on because there's, of course, a lot of the spray mm-hmm. paint going on. And I know that, um, yeah, all of the dancers, including the, mm-hmm. the guys as well with the flat shoes, who either leave them outside or in mm-hmm. some um, designated baskets throughout the theater. And he gets to spray them to the specific color that we may need. Yes, mm-hmm. an important part of the shoe room. He comes in, you know, when you guys are in rehearsal and in performance. And like Alan said, he comes in. His sole job is to make sure that the shoes are the right colors that they match the tights or the costumes, um, mm-hmm. or sometimes ladies' point shoes need to be colored red or black, mm-hmm. or uh, I think in Nutcracker there's a few colors in Spanish. Yeah. So that's his job. I loved him. He's kind of helped me sort of get through my time here, more with schedules and mm-hmm. what to do. That part I'm still learning is sort of mm-hmm. the rhythm of, yeah. you know, a uh, performance week versus a rehearsal week. And Tim's been really, really helpful with all of that. Yeah, he's been in the company it's yeah. at least since I got in. Me too, me too. Yeah, since yeah. we both got in, he was already, like, very established in his job and in what he does. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would like to talk about how City Ballet has incorporated the right skin tone mm-hmm. and shade of the point shoe to the skin of the dancer. Yes. So I believe New York City Ballet is one of the first companies to have taken this initiative, which is to make sure that all the ladies, no matter what their color, feel included and have, you know, a, a tight that matches their skin tone perfectly. Mm-hmm. So what that means for shoes is that the shoes only come in one color. It's sort of this orangey pink, but the shoes need to be then sort of dyed and the color needs to be manipulated a little bit so that it matches the tights um, mm-hmm. of each dancer. So currently I believe we have, I think it's about 32 different shades. and. Wow. Yes, and Tim has to match that shoe to each of the shades. Uh, so it's a big job. As you guys know, probably he is dyeing shoes like constantly, all constantly, the time, yeah. all the time, because, you know, ladies go through shoes, some more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, you know, at the end, they need a lot of shoes in their skin tones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I have one last question, yes. um, fun question. Have you ever worn a pair of point shoes before so, or tried one on? Yes. Yes, I have. So when I was working at the block store part-time, I actually tried every single pair of shoes so I would know what it felt like. And mm-hmm. so I could kind of learn which shape worked with which kind, with which type of foot. So, yes, I have. I know what it feels like. I've never danced in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a totally different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to stand in them and like, oh, this looks pretty. But then moving in them is, you know, I don't know if it's something I really want to It could be <laughs> to unsafe, do. too. It yeah. could be unsafe. Absolutely. Yeah. Hazard. Yeah. <laughs> Point shoes are hazardous yeah. sometimes. Very. It's a mystique to the point mm. shoe that... I didn't really realize that really kind of brings people in. It's a very interesting thing, you know. Yeah, actually, I've had a number of people come to the ballet and say to me afterwards, I was in awe of the point shoe mm-hmm. and just how dancers are on such a small platform mm-hmm. and their whole body weight is doing a million crazy things on such that, that small platform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've there is a uh, mystique about it that's, 
yeah, it's, it's yeah, incredible. It's, it's, yeah, it's... We it's don't think about it. Looking. Yeah, we don't think yeah. about we, it. It's so it's normalized. Like, it's yeah. been so normalized because mm-hmm. we either do it or look at it all day, but yeah. it's still a very, very impressive, almost like circus looking where it's like the trick of like the ballerina is so light and so elevated and so pulled up that she's able to go on her toes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I mean, it requires an incredible amount of skill, but for the audience member who might not be familiar with it, mm-hmm. just looking at it for the first time, it is very, very... Yeah, um, there's a lightness a magical and a levity looking. about yeah. it all. Yeah. yeah, sort of that pink satin and how delicate the shoe looks is very... Mesmerizing. mesmerizing. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes, yes absolutely idea. mesmerize people. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, that's, I think that's part of when people walk by the showroom that are not from New York City Ballet, yeah. there's a little bit of that too, like that wonder and, you know, of like oh, so many shoes and, you mm-hmm. know, and there's that mystique of the shoe yeah. at the same time, you know, yeah. that mm-hmm. sort of plays into their like wonder. And I think a couple of times the companies have been here said, can I just come into the shoe room and look and take a picture? So it's it's interesting, you know, I'm the guardian of that. (laughs) Yes, how special, how special. Well, thank you, yeah. Daniel, so much for joining You're us welcome. today. Yeah. That was fabulous. That was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love on, so much. to keep on learning about different moving parts of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a very this critical is a huge one. one. This yeah. is a very critical one. This is a huge one. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you held a lot of honor and a power within that position. You're in charge of a huge part of of, of, the of your life, of your and life. And then you engage with all of the dancers. And, and then, then you chit chat with everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> I work with you guys in a more, almost in a more intimate way than the wardrobe. Because the wardrobe, you see them when, you know, when you time for a costume fitting. Yeah. yeah. You see me, I, I see you guys all the time. Daily. Yeah. Daily, you know, because there's always, you know, something that, yes. you know, that you need. So yeah. that's a. It, it's a very intimate relationship with mm-hmm. all, of you, all you guys. Well, thanks, Daniel. Well, thank you so You're much. Welcome, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Well, maybe I want. Maybe you want to be my successor. <laughs> I actually, I actually, it's not a bad idea. 